بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. The Jum'ah Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God consciousness. This series shares Jum'ah Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillah, الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتديه لولا أن هدانا الله. اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صراة وسلام دائمين بدوام ممكن الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشر أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا ورب شاهدا ونحن المسلمون وشرون سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهر على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مسيكم منفسي إياي يتقوى الله This is one of the most important reminders of all the reminder to be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be aware and conscious of everything that it is that we do everything that it is that we say with our tongues everything that it is that we do with any one of our limbs whether they be our eyes whether it be our ears or any other limb that we are responsible for and of course the internal dimension of the human being which is the human being's true reality or heart in all of its meanings and everything that it is that it contains, being mindful of Allah, making sure to always be where He has commanded us to be, and being very careful to ever be where He has prohibited us from being. This is the estate of the believer. And alhamdulillah, in the comprehensive teachings of our Prophet Muhammad that touch upon every aspect of human life every aspect of human life there is no aspect of human life save there are teachings from the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam regarding those various aspects and this is a great blessing to have this preserved for us in this time the transition as many have said into the modern world with our fundamental creed intact the transition into the modern world and to have our fundamental acts of worship intact, the transition into the modern world, and to have the foundations of what you could call ethics entirely intact, and to be able to have someone who lived on the face of this earth, that there still are living people that have a direct connection to, i.e. the Prophet Muhammad and his inheritors, and to know that sometimes when we think about the immensity of this task, i.e. putting the religion, the last religion that Allah Ta'ala has revealed for humankind into practice, it seems like a very daunting task, and to some degree it is. And this is why our Prophet Sallallahu said, Inna hadid deen mateen. This religion is something great. It is immense. فَأَوْغِرُ فِيهِ بِرِفْقِ so enter into it gently. Embrace it gently. No one will try to wrestle with this religion, try to take on too much 
perhaps you could translate it as such, except that the dean will topple them over. And so the advice here is one of gentleness, one of doing what it is that we can. But despite all of that and the daunting nature of taking on the meanings of this dean, this is a lifelong quest. It is summarized in a very beautiful way in the hadith, in the way of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And this is incredibly beautiful because everything that it is that we need from belief to practice to character and everything else it is that we speak of is embodied in the Rasul So from that point is that you can fixate your thoughts in your mind and direct your attention to him and to study his life and to see what it is that he did, how it is that he spoke, how it is that he was and by having a living connection of the heart with him and striving on a regular basis to learn his religion that he conveyed وسلم, to that ever-blessed generation of the companions, this will facilitate for us putting these realities into practice. On this blessed day of Jummah, I wanted to briefly pass over a piece of advice from one of our teachers. And it is very conveniently in fours. And there are four groups of four. And this piece of advice that came from one of the tongues, from the, t from the tongue of one of the inheritors of our Prophet And their job is to articulate the reality of the deen in any given time. And when they speak, they speak about some of the main challenges of that particular time. And when they summarize, there is great benefit in their summaries. And it doesn't negate the contributions that took place before them, but there's a special blessing for the people of the time when it is that they speak. And this is simultaneously just as we read the books of those who came before us. We also have to listen very attentively to the words of the great inheritors in our particular time. Because sometimes we're unable to truly do everything that the people who came before us did. There's just simply not enough blessing in our time. And when we hear the way that the inheritors clarify those essential realities of the religion, it's accessible. It makes us easier for us to put them into practice. And this particular piece of advice touches upon time, just as it touches upon traits that we should embody. It also touches upon acts that we should focus on, and then various types of remembrance. And so there are four times that we're counseled to preserve, four traits that we are counseled to possess, four acts that we are counseled to do consistently, and four types of remembrance that we should preserve. And as we are getting ready for the summer months, and people will have a bit more time. At least some people will have a little bit more time. And the days are getting longer. And it is sometimes difficult to keep a schedule that we might have become accustomed to before daylight savings and before these long days. It's especially important that we adjust ourselves to a schedule 
that we can maintain. And ultimately what we want is consistency. Ultimately what we want is consistency. And uprightness, and one of the ways of translating, or one of the dimensions that is, of uprightness, istighama, is consistency. And this is what our Prophet taught us to have, sallallahu We want consistency throughout our life. Not just on a daily basis, or on a weekly, or monthly, or on a yearly basis, but throughout the course of our lives. We want there to be a beautiful consistency that is reflected in everything that is that we do. So once we take something on, five years down the line, we want to be doing that same thing, and hopefully to have added to it as well. And there's a deep secret in this. And sometimes... These, what are seemingly small, consistent acts, are the heaviest acts in the scales. Sometimes those will be the acts that even pierce the veils between us and our Lord. And sometimes those will be the acts in which the rida, the contentment of Allah, is hidden. And you never know. And it could be something very small. It could be something as simple as taking the garbage cans of your older neighbor in. It could be something as simple as smiling. It could be something as simple as giving that a young person a piece of organic healthy candy. It could be something very simple. And we should never belittle any act that is that we do. We should never see it as great insofar as it is from ourselves. But we should never belittle it insofar as that Allah Taala could put blessing in anything that is that we do and make that particular act the act that is the means for us to enter into paradise and to attain his rida subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what are the four times that we should preserve? They really are like two, but they can be broken down into four. The first one is before Salat al-Maghrib. There is a wisdom in the way that Allah Ta'ala has set up the day. And two of the important parts of the day are sunrise and sunset. And just before Salat al-Maghrib, as the day is leaving us and the sun is about to set, there are realities in the internal realm that are happening. There are angels that are coming in succession. There are angels that are responsible for what transpires during the, during the day, just as there are angels that transpire for what if that are in charge or for what transpires by night. And so there are things happening even in the unseen in relation to the night and the day. But also, there should be a shift in our minds. When the day is coming to an end, we should start shifting. And the general way of being is that we tend to be a little bit more passive by night as as opposed to being a little bit more active by day. Passive meaning is that now this is time for us to roll up our sleeves and to do the real work. The work that is going to define how it is that we are during the day. How it is that we are with our Lord. How it is that we are in relation to the connection that we have to the Lord of the heavens and the earth, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, these are just very general overarching statements. It very well might be that we're even helping people at night in certain occasions. But in general, as the night comes, is that we want to start to make a shift. 
and that time just before just before Salat al Maghrib, even five minutes, even ten minutes, is a very special time. Not just on the day of Juma, like the day that we are now on. And some of them said is that that special hour is that last hour of Asr on the day of Juma, just before Salat al Maghrib. But every night it's like this. And that, of course, it's increased on Juma. But this is a time that we want to preserve. This is a time, ideally, if possible, we are in a place of prayer, whether it be at home or whether it be at the mosque or the musalla, wherever it is that we are praying, is that we are directing ourselves to Allah. This is in a very important time to be in a state of dua, supplication, to be reciting a weird, some form of litany, to be making some form of invocation. So that when Maghrib comes in, we're ready to pray because Maghrib is different than all the other prayers. According to the majority of scholars, the time for Maghrib is very short. In other words, if we're out and about or we're distracted, or we start to make wudu after the Adhan of Maghrib, you're going to pray Maghrib outside of its time. You're likely to. And yes, there is some leniency with some of the ulama that say Maghrib extends to that various times, one of them being the uh, leaving of the redness of the, the sky, from the sky. <clears throat> but Maghrib is special. Because this is, of all the five prayers, even though we should pray all of them on time, the one that we want to especially make sure that we pray on time because of the shortness of the window. And one of the ways that you can do that is by being prepared for Salat al-Maghrib ahead of time, being in a state of remembrance and directing your heart to Allah. There's a special blessing in this time. Even if it's only a few minutes, if you can extend that to 10 or 15 minutes, that's even better. And then the time between Maghrib and Isha. This is also a very special time. One of the ulama said, Al-Kanz, Kul al-Kanz, Al-Wakt al Maghrib Isha. That all treasures lie in the time between Maghrib and Isha. This is a time that some say the tafsir of the verse refers to is that they keep their sides from their resting places, i.e., this is a time after a long day that's very easy to get lazy and to just want to relax and to want to lay down and to take it easy. But this is a time, and of course, as you move up to more northerly or more southerly latitudes, it becomes more and more difficult because in a location like the one we're in, the time fluctuates for Salat al-Maghrib about four hours. It gets as early as about 4.30-something and gets as late as about 8.30-something. So it's about a four-hour fluctuation. But this is a time that we want to devote to the hereafter in something that's going to benefit us in the next world, whether that be study whether that be beneficial conversation, whether that be some form of the dhikr, recitation of the Quran, or whatever it might be. But these are two times that we want to preserve. And the other two relate to the morning. And the first is before Salat al-Fajr. Even if it's just 10 minutes. Even if it's only 5 minutes. This is a time that we want to condition ourselves 
to using for the hereafter, for the sake of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Excuse me. This is a special time. And we know this is a time where prayers are answered. And this is a time where you can present your needs to Allah. This is a time for istighfar and to seek forgiveness. This is a time that the elixir of all elixirs in relation to true human transformation lies. Turning to Allah and saying, Ya Allah, calling upon your Lord, imploring Him and beseeching Him. This is the ideal time to do this. And then from after Fajr until sunrise, if we have the ability to put our that life have some type of order, and this might require that we get to bed on time. And especially for students of knowledge, this is something especially important. It's very easy after the day's over and after Salat al-Isha to want to just relax. And then next thing that you know it, that you start watching videos or whatever else, so you're checking your social media, and then it's 1 o'clock in the morning. And you're supposed to get up a little bit before Fajr, but now you're only going to get two or two and a half hours or three hours of sleep. This is a serious issue. Not just for students of knowledge, for everybody, but especially students of knowledge or the seekers of the hereafter. Especially like now, the time that we are now in because Isha is so late. Ideally, we get everything ready before Salat al-Isha. We pray Salat al-Isha and then just prepare for bed. But did we ever do that once in an entire month? We need to preempt that many of these tendencies and understand the particular time that we are in in the year. But we should strive to benefit from the time just before Fajr, even if it's a small amount of time, and from after Fajr until sunrise, and to stay in the place that we prayed, and then to perform two cycles of prayer. And there's an abundant reward in that. And then we'll move on to the four traits. These are four very important traits that we should try to possess. And the first is humility. Humility. This is a that forgotten trait in the modern world. And oftentimes, this is a virtue considered to be a vice. <clears throat> this is not something that is glorified in our time. And many people associate weakness with humility. And this is why even in earlier times, Excuse me. <clears throat> Even in earlier times, is that our Prophet had to swear an oath by Allah, is that no one would be humble save Allah would raise that individual. Because seemingly when you're humble, people are going to take advantage of you. Seemingly when you're humble, is that you're never going to be able to assert yourself or get anything that you want. Humility is one of the core traits of religion. This is how we have to be. And of course, is that we have to differentiate between true humility, which is at the heart level before Allah, and between being a certain way outwardly based upon the circumstance. Humility doesn't mean that you're a pushover. Humility means is that you don't think you're better than anyone. Humility means is that you don't reject the truth, even if you hear from someone much younger than you. Humility means is that you are open to learning from everyone and everything. And there's a long list of other things as well, but the greatest manifestation of humility is 
being humble before Allah, bringing to heart that he alone has the attributes of majesty in reality and that we have to remain humble before him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And someone that doesn't know what is their eternal home in which of the two final abodes, how could we be anything other than humble? Someone whose that beginning was as mean as it was, how could we not remain humble before Allah Ta'ala? Knowing our state, knowing our degree of shortcomings here in this world, and not knowing what's going to happen to us in the next, how could we be anything other than humble? But closely related to this, although it is a different trait, is what is called dhillah, lowliness. And again, this is not a popular commodity in the modern world. And when you speak of this, you might even have psychologists or psychiatrists tell you that, no, you're not even supposed to think like that. But lowliness is where you don't see in yourself great value insofar as it is connected to your own self. And it doesn't mean that you walk around like, oh, I'm not worth anything. That, that's not what it means. But what it means is, you de-emphasize your own self. And ultimately, the ego has to be de-emphasized for you to traverse the spiritual path and draw near to Allah, to Barakotara. This is where you realize that you, in and of your own self, that yes, from the standpoint you are a creation of Allah, you are amazing. But insofar as that you are essentially slowed down light in a piece of molded clay. We're entirely insignificant. And just think about how important we think ourselves really are. And then all of a sudden that you're flying in an airplane 30-something thousand feet and look down and see what you see. Do you see individuals? You can't see people. They're too insignificant. Let alone if you go out beyond that. How important really is the human being? Yes, that we're the center of the universe because we've been given consciousness. And we only really receive that great honor when we tie that to our connection to Allah, which is ma'rifah, and coming to know him. But in and of ourselves is that we have to recognize is that the ego needs to be de-emphasized. And what needs to be emphasized is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And at first, we have to focus on this state where we recognize our loneliness before Allah. So you have humility, and you have a, a shade of this trait, which is really its own trait, which is loneliness. But then you have another one, and this is called inkisar, where brokenness, along with witnessing your absolute need of Allah, look at how blessed these traits are, where you are broken before Allah, and that stems from your knowledge that you have fallen short in relation to what Allah has commanded you to do. You're broken before him. And you realize is that you are in absolute need of him. You can't take another breath without him. You can't blink an eye without him. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can achieve without your Lord. And then the fourth trait is fear of a bad seal. This is the way a believer should be. We should always ask Allah in every dua for a good seal. But we should fear a bad seal. Because actions are according to the way that things end. Your life is according to the way that it ends. 
And one of the most fear-inspiring hadith of all is that we know that someone could be a handspan from paradise, but they don't make it because something happens at the very end of their life. And in one narration, some say, as it appears to people. But the point here is, is that ultimately our life will be determined by how it is, is that we return to Allah. And then the four acts. The first is being good to our parents. And let's try to do a better job at this. Stay in touch with them. To, to do good for them. To ask about them. To serve them in all of its meanings. To refrain from being disrespectful or showing them attitude or questioning them or talking back to them and all of these other things. This is rampant in our society, even amongst good Muslims that are raised in good households. Because this is rampant in our culture. And that even so-called G-rated things are replete with this kind of filth. And this is a part of our society, unfortunately. And it's oftentimes even glorified. And that people even call their parents by their first name and speak to them very disrespectfully. And I could tell you stories that you probably wouldn't believe me, especially those of you that grew up in Islam, as someone who that still has non-Muslim family members and seen quite a bit, even though I became Muslim at 19. But we want to bring this back to life. This is something that is beautiful. This is a part of our religion and of the utmost importance. And even if your parents are not Muslim, we're still required to do that because this is the way to be. And then visit the Salihin acts that we should do. Visit good people. Visit the righteous. Travel to the Muslim world and do this if you can. If not, to try to visit good people in the country that we live, which there are quite a few. And if you make an intention, you will find them. And this extends to being with the very best people that you could possibly be around so that they could have a good effect upon you. And then accustom yourself to Ihsan. These four acts that get yourself used to doing good things for people, that responding with excellence, accustom yourselves to ihsan. Every time you do something, do it well. And my mother used to always say growing up, anything worth doing is worth doing well. And that's a beautiful that gem of wisdom. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. And we should do everything well. And we should do everything excellently. And try to have ihsan in everything it is that you do. In all matters of your life, even the small things. Because if you habituate yourself to this, it will that allow you to show ihsan in the most important times. And then finally, the four types of remembrance. Al-Quran al-Kareem, and we just had a retreat on this. Connecting to Allah Ta'ala's book. Learning how to recite it. Learning its meanings. Striving to put it into practice hearing its recitation, letting its real meanings permeate the depth of your being, and the invocations of the morning and the evening. We should all learn these. And a convenient way of doing so is just learning the word of Latif of Imam al-Haddad, which is essentially a compilation of invocations that are to be recited in the morning and the evening. And there is immense blessing in this, immense protection in this. And these are keys that open up incredible doors for us to be able to receive from Allah Taala, and then learn what are known as the adiyat al-ahwal, the supplications associated with various times, 
what you say when you wear your clothing. All praise be to the one who clothed me with this garment without any power or strength from me. What you say when you eat, what you say when you leave the house, what you say when you enter into the masjid, and so forth and so on. This will bring abundant blessing into your lives. This is not just something that you do when you're a child. This is something that we're supposed to learn when we're young, but to recite throughout our lives. And then salawat upon our Prophet Muhammad is the fourth. And bringing this into our life with longing to establish that heart connection to him which by establishing that heart connection will facilitate meanings of, that, of realization of this religion that can't be facilitated otherwise. One of the greatest ways of all to follow the Prophet in all of his affairs, inwardly and outwardly, is to establish that heart connection where his love becomes your love, his concern becomes your concern, is that his view becomes your view, is that, and so forth and so on. The more that we send salawat upon him, the more that that internal connection that starts to develop and the more we'll be like the Prophet and have access to his inheritance that is that we might not have access to in any other way outwardly. So that if we bring these fours into our life, and they're very convenient, there's four times, four traits, four acts, and four types of remembrance, it will be a means of great blessing for us and for our families, and for our community. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and open up the doors of all good for us. وَقُلُوا قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَلِجِمِيَ مُسْلِمِينَ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا فَنَوْا غُفُرُ الرَّحِيمِ يَا رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَصَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدًا أَشْرَفَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَمُرْسَلِينَ وَعَلَى آلِهِ الطَّيِّبِينَ وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين أما بعد يا إبل الله إني مسيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله. In closing, as we move into the summer months, there will be many people that are traveling. There will be people that are going on vacation. There'll be people who that might not be present in ways that they normally are. But this is why it is so important, is that. The base practice that we're doing is that other people step up. And just because other people aren't there, the people shouldn't take that as an excuse, okay, then there's not a need for me to be there. This should be a time that people especially step up. Oh, because we know that there's going to be certain people gone, I'm going to make sure that I'm there. I'm going to make sure to encourage so-and-so to be there. This needs to go on. This cannot be attached to an individual or to a personality. These meanings have to go on. And that the basic level of practice has to be rooted in the hearts of individuals that will then form that community. And this is the way that the companions of the Prophet were. They didn't want leadership, but when there was a need, they were immediately ready to step up and to bear that responsibility. And this is how it is that we need to be. So this khair can go on and so that other people can be exposed to it and benefit from it. Inna Allah wa malaikatuhu yusalluna ala nabi. 
Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi Sayyidina Muhammad Kama sallayta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala alihi Sayyidina Ibrahim Innaka hamidu majid Wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi Sayyidina Muhammad Kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala alihi Sayyidina Ibrahim Innaka hamidu majid Wa radiyallahu ta'ala an sadat al-khulafa al-rashidin Abi Bakr wa Umar wa Uthman wa Ali wa ala jimi al-sahabata Ahli bayt al-Rasulillah Al-Mutahharin min al-Arjas wa alayna ma'wafim birahmatika ya arhamu rahmin Allahumma gfil al-mu'minin wa'minat المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم ونمات يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين ويا راح المساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزنا لا رحمة من عندك نسعر بها في الدنيا والآخرة اللهم إننا نسلك زيارة في الدين وبركة في العمر وصيحة في الجسد وصيعة في الرزق وتوبة قبل الموت وشهادة عند الموت ومغفرة بعد الموت وعفنا نساب ومانا من عذاب ونصيب من الجنة وزكنا النظر إلى وجهك الكريم آوكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يعمر بالعدل والإحسان ويتاء ذي الغربة وإنهاء الفحشاء والمكر البغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم وأشكروا على أن يزدكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر Thank you for listening to one of Al-Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al-Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.